0: everybody and welcome to today's edition of the nooch and Baca show here dave Finucci here and mike Baca in chico california mike how you doing today man
1: doing well doing well we're trying to stay uh out of the fires we're right in the the thick of the fires here we got 29 of them burning all around us and of course um you know you know we're five minutes from paradise so um, wow. those people are really those people are really nervous because their town you know less than two years ago was completely, uh, you know, decimated by the campfire. So we're, you know, we're, we're running around doing a lot of uh, sports guys are now news guys and we're all running around trying to get the word out and make sure people are evacuated. So it's a, it's, it's rough here right now. The
0: summer, the summer news grind in Chico. Uh, But we're going to try to do a little podcast for you today about sports. Get your mind off that for a little while here, Baca, and uh, uh, talk some sports and, It's an interesting time in sports right now with baseball being played, NFL football camps opening up under the COVID uh, situation, and the NBA playoffs have started, so uh, imagine we've already gotten to that already, so out in the bubble in Orlando, but our guest today here on the show, we'd like to introduce him, we're excited to have a guest here on our podcast here, Barry Bloom, joining us here today from his home in Phoenix, Arizona, on the new Chimbaca show. Barry is a hall of fame baseball voter. He's been a beat writer and a baseball writer for majority of his life. And is fantastic writer that uh, covers the game and sports business. Now all kinds of sports business uh, stories for Sportico and Sportico.com used to be at Forbes as well. And uh, was a longtime writer for MLB.com covering the game as well. So Barry, thanks so much for joining us.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, we go back to 2003 in Panama. What an experience that was.
0: Yeah, Barry and I met when I was the uh, director of communications for USA Baseball in the Olymp- International Olympic uh, Game, and Barry covered the 2003 Olympic qualifying team that traveled to Panama, and I was the press officer. He was writing for MLB.com, and that was a team of pro players that went down to Panama and actually Failed to get into the Olympics, Baca. It was devastating at the time. Team yeah, lost yeah. a two-to-one game to Panama or to Mexico, I believe, in Panama to try to advance Mexico, to the yeah. 2004 games in the Olympics, and Barry saw the whole thing.
2: Luis Garcia. Oh. Home unbelievable. Brian Bruni.
0: Yeah. Some of the names <laughs> and some of the guys we had on that team. Uh I remember our we had the tying run at third in the ninth with two outs and our last hope was Gerald Laird.
2: Yeah, and he it
0: at the plate. I remember the runner was at we had a leadoff double in the ninth and we got we we failed to get we tried to bunt the guy to third and um, Justin Leone bunted it back to the pitcher or I think failed to get the
2: no what happened? uh, Frank Robinson was manager of the team. Right. And he had he had kept Joe Mauer of all people on the bench for that game and, and started Gerald Laird behind the yes. plate. Yes. So he so he sent uh, I think it was runners on on first and second and he had so he sent Mauer up to pinch hit and they had Mauer bunt the runners over. That's right. Unbelievable. There was out and runners on first and second. Use so the Joe Mauer
0: in a sacrifice bunt situation off the right, bench. So Ma-
2: so Maurer bunts bunt him over, second and third, one out. Justin Leone comes to the plate. A swing they have – Mexico plays the infield back so to concede the tying run. Right. And and, and, and Leone bounces the ball back to the pitcher. The pitcher. Who leaps o- up in the air and grabs it. And then he throws him out at first. The runners have to hold. And then uh, Laird pops out to end the game.
0: To end the game. The and we don't good, get into the Olympics.
2: But if the ball had gone over – bounced over the pitcher's head, uh, it would have been an infield out or single and you would have had the tying run in. Yeah, that it, would have,
0: have it would have changed hey, everything.
1: Barry, isn't that a microcosm of uh, uh, United States baseball and the lack of fundamentals that we've seen over the last 15 years? I mean, basically – we're always lamenting teams that can't get those runners home from third with less than two outs. And it sounds like not only did the United States not make the Olympics, but they also, I mean, basically disbanded a lot of their uh, Olympic and uh, USA baseball procedures just from that lack of execution alone.
2: Yeah. Well, they, you know, that the, the, the political nature of, you know, and Nuch knows it better than me is the fact that, You know, they wouldn't allow major league players into into the Olympics or make time in the schedule to do it. And because of it, you know, the International Committee just dropped baseball out of the, uh, you know, out of the rotation. That loss
0: right there, Barry, that that particular situation in 2003, when the United States did not get into the Greece Olympics in Athens didn't qualify in baseball led to a downward downward spiral of the game being eliminated after 2008 um, in the international scene. And then from then, since then, in, in 10 years later, it was scheduled to be played in Japan. It finally got back into the rotation with baseball and softball in 2018. It led to a uh, an entry into the 2020 games in Japan, which are now going to be played next summer. And we're right back in the same boat, Barry, with the United States still has not qualified for that event. And it was, it was a... Um, another nail-biter in recent uh, play in Japan where the United States had a play-in game to win against Mexico and lost again by, I believe, the same score, 2-1, to one, in, an, in the international extra inning rule in a 1-1 yeah, game.
2: Yeah, but now, uh, because of the, the single elimination down in Panama, they have a convoluted system where the U.S. has gotten three bites at the apple. They were about to start the the third Olympic qualifier, right. the final spot, in Surprise, Arizona, the day that they, they stopped Major League, everything Major League Baseball on, on March twelfth.
0: Right. So,
2: at, you know, as far as you know, uh, to your point, the U.S. has been so snake bitten in international play that it took them to the fourth WBC in their own tournament to finally win the championship of their own tournament. Yeah, because the World Baseball even, Classic. which Yeah, because even in the World Baseball Classic, though you can use pro players, a lot of the best players and the best pitchers don't pitch in it because teams don't let them pitch.
0: Yeah, and that's the same problem we've always had, right, which I detailed in my book, Baca. You know well about it, which the one instance still remains in tw- 2000 when Tommy Lasorda led our team over to Australia. We were able to get it done. I was happy and lucky enough to be the press officer of that team when Lasorda and Ben Sheets and Roy Oswalt and the bunch of those guys went over there to Sydney and won the gold medal, the only gold medal in Olympic baseball history still. And um, I know USA Baseball is proud of that, as well as the one World Baseball Classic that they did win. You just recently wrote a story, Barry, about uh, the World Baseball Classic, which was going to be played, uh, I believe next year but now it's been moved back to 2023 now is that correct
2: yeah that's correct uh with qualifiers in 2022 instead so wow. yeah it's uh you know a uh you know they obviously the covid has created chaos throughout sports and major league baseball has had to adjust and they lost all their international events this year london puerto rico yep. they lost the uh the, the Field of Dreams game I mean everything that they had planned for this year, which was pretty extensive, was was canceled. So we digress.
0: Yeah, so uh, Mike, okay. I know, hey, know hey, you've had a lot of thoughts about, <laughs> you've had thoughts, Mike, about, uh, you know, whether we should play this season at the beginning. You and I talked about it, the quarantine situation we've seen uh, uh, and, and the COVID testing for players. We've seen three outbreaks now on the teams: the Marlins, the Cardinals, and now the Reds. But I believe the Reds are scheduled to play today. Um, no, they
2: canceled their game again today.
0: Did they cancel it today? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's that's spreading now uh, throughout the Reds and their situation. Barry, what's been your take so far on how you've seen this play out? You were a huge proponent of. Actually, you should. You didn't. You wrote several stories where. During quarantine, you believe that, it, that we shouldn't be even be trying to play baseball at all.
2: Yeah, I still think that uh, it, it was uh, a, a big risk to put the players out there that, you know, they're on the front line to getting sick. And, you know, so far we've had a few players, even though they've tested positive, a lot of them have tested positive. We've only had a few players that have really been sick, like Freddie Freeman. But with the Braves, he came back. Uh, you know, my take on it was that, you know, the owners who are obviously funding this, they wanted their national and local television money because they have no revenue at all coming in this year, playing games in front of empty stadiums. Uh, at But that not one owner was was placing themselves at risk. The players are all on the line. They're the ones who are at risk. Yep. So, you know, I'm uh, still at, at the juncture where you know, I'm watching this, and and I'm 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 scared as hell that some players going to get really sick, and some players going to get sick enough to die, and then is this system and everything that they did would it have been all worth it? But I think what they've done is, you know, they've decided with, you know, the 28 man rosters now, 30 to begin with, and the uh, the alternate camps of 30, that it's like. If people go down, as you've seen with the Cardinals and the, and the Marlins, it's like next man up. So yeah. they're going to play the season. They're going to get their television money. And then let's see what happens when you get to the end of September on the season.
1: If there's ever been a time where the players have an argument that um, we're seen as a, a meat market and a, and a product and the, the actual empathy and caring for us as, you know, family men and people. Um, I would imagine when these two sides have to negotiate a new CBA, um, if you're a, if you're a player and you're playing, but you're feeling not so hot about coming back, I would imagine, you know, uh, the players taking all the risks and the owners not can will be a topic of conversation, especially if this turns sour as many of us think, and you think, you know, the worst case scenario where a player gets really, really sick. I mean, the Freddie Freeman story is just terrifying. I'm running 104 fever for, you know, four or five days and just feeling just like he's uh, at death's door. I mean, these are, these are real people with uh, real families and, and real concerns. and, it feels a little bit like the owners were looking at October baseball and uh, to hell with everything else.
2: Yeah. The uh, you know, let, let's be clear here though. You know, the players association is just as culpable in all this as the owners are. I mean, I, when it push came to shove and they spent sick, wasted six weeks figuring out the finances of all this and how many games were going to be played and putting together this, a uh, protocol that most players don't even really follow. You know, they wasted a lot of time in structuring what they could have done to do this right, as you've seen with the NFL and the NBA. So, I mean, when it, it came finally down where Manfred just said, OK, I'm implementing a 60 game season and you all get prorated as per our earlier agreement. And then the, the they still have to negotiate the protocols. I really thought the players association was just going to say thanks, but no thanks. We're just not going to play and turn the whole thing down. And when they went ahead and did and turned down a lot of other aspects of it, just to get out back out on the field, you know, I think that you had a a situation there where, you know, they became just part and parcel of the whole thing because they want to get paid and they want to play too. And you've had the option of people, opting out i think you still have only had maybe 20 or so 25 players opt out over the course of time since this all started right the bigger name players like harper and and trout and judge and you know you go down the list every one of them stanton they've all agreed to play and they're all playing out the season and so i mean i i'll be interested to see on some of these teams, as we get to the thirty-game mark, and and you know for a fact that like the Red Sox, like the Giants, they're at some point they're just going to be going through the motions. Yeah. How many of their veteran yeah. players are going to still want to be around, or just say, I'll forsake the last thirty games prorated. I don't need that money. I've got big enough contract, and I've got a contract for next year. Does you know Evan Longoria with a with a contract for next year? Does he want to? play out the rest of the season and put himself at risk when the Giants aren't going anywhere. And I think that's going to be the next shoe to drop at the 30 game mark and see how many people do go home. I
0: understand. Yeah, that that, that would make sense. I mean, uh, that's going to be a tough question to, for a lot of guys to ask themselves, Barry. What What's your feeling right now on uh, that da- the damage that the, this – this uh, these negotiations did to the long-term relationship to, to, between the two sides. I mean, they were never really great before this, Barry. And now I believe a lot of fans think that uh, that, that the relationship got even worse. Uh, the CBA ends at the end of the 2021 season. They're going to need to start negotiating after this year is over. And it's like two, two friends that really don't like one another having to sit down in a room, and come to an agreement, and I don't know that it's going to real go go real well.
2: Well, if you look at where Major League Baseball is right now, I mean, they what, what their plan was was really to shove a whole bunch of changes in the in, in the basic agreement down the players' throats in the next negotiations. Mm-hmm. And so now you're in a situation where you know the industry is going to lose like you know four billion dollars. I mean, I've written where, you know, the Padres, the Diamondbacks, the Rangers—they're all losing 100 million. The Mets could lose as much as 200 million. They were going to lose 100 million before COVID, you know. So you add tack another hundred on that. The big market teams who have the most to lose because they they generate the most revenue locally and and they pay the they they generate the highest prices for tickets. The Red Sox, Yankees, Cubs. Dodgers, Angels, you know, they're really going to take a bath. They could lose in excess of $100 million. So you go into the offices and you go, okay, A, there was plenty of money for the Dodgers. They went out and spent $230 million over 13 years on Mookie Betts. But when you get to the free agent market this winter, how much money is going to be out there when the owners, the only revenue they've collected over the course of a uh, you know over the over a year has been their local and and television radio TV, right. and TV money and national TV money mm. and most of the bulk bulk of the national TV money they don't get until uh, the postseason. So that's why they're you know at a mad dash to get to the postseason and then structure the postseason so you know they can play. And so I think the question of whether or not. They just continue to do what they're doing and travel around the league to do the postseason is it, it, is taken into uh, account, or do they do the NFL and NHL style bubbles and pick a couple of domes? You know, we play the first round. You've got three a round of three that they've int- introduced this year that'll be all 16 teams. So once you get through those three games which you can play in the home parks without travel, just a ball home park with the best record host, the, host the series. Cause it doesn't matter. You're not yeah, playing. The field, the field of, where
0: the games are played at is irrelevant.
2: Right. So, so you play those in the home markets. And then once you're down to eight teams, you do two bubbles, you know, four teams in, you know, one, one dome somewhere, four teams in another dome I mean, you've got domes in Miami and, you know, the new one in Texas. You have a good one in Houston in your area. You have Seattle, you have Chase Field. There are plenty of places where there are hotels in, in yeah, practice. Four I mean, teams. Yeah. At four do teams,
0: a, you, a bubble it, playoff tournament.
2: Right. In each place. And then you basically pick one for the world series and, and you go. So I'm hoping that, and I've heard, you know, some talk and, among the owners and people that I talked to that that is under consideration at this point, but it also has to be negotiated out with the players association who were resisted playing in a bubble to begin with. So I don't know what, what they're going to do with it. But I, I, I do think to your point, that next year when you get into negotiations and there's no money for free agency and it, and you go back into the season, so you, know, you have to pay for spring training if there is a real spring training. Now, my, I, I don't believe that where since where we are in this country without a national plan for this, I don't believe that on, in mid-February, that pitchers and catchers are going to be able to show up for normal in spring camps. There's going to have to be a lockdown situation for most of these camps for it to happen. So that that still remains to be seen. I still don't think you're going to have another minor league season next year. And Major League Baseball is in a situation where not only do they have to negotiate the basic agreement with the players, but they still have to negotiate a new agreement with minor league baseball, which also expires at the end of September. And there's been no minor league baseball for a year. They've taken a bath. Yeah, that, then, that is a. And then you've had no high school or college baseball this year to develop for the draft for next year. So how do you have a draft? What's the draft? Right, so every, <laughs> how do you evaluate? Right, everything we know about Major League Baseball and it has been done in the past is over. It's thrown and, out the window. Right, and we have no idea what Major League Baseball is gonna even look like, how much money there's gonna be, how many teams are gonna survive. We don't know where, it, where it's gonna be by the time this is all over. And who knows when I'm looking at it's going to be at least till the end of next year before this is all over. You know, now it looks like they may have instant testing, which is really going to help that Mm -hmm. that's going to help a lot of things. If that really works, that's going to change the whole context of it that everybody's going to be able to use, not just the sports leagues. You'll be able to use, give somebody an instant test before he goes into an arena or she goes into an arena to watch a game. So it, a lot of this is going to change and it's evolving very quickly, but we'll see where it all goes. And that's all the backdrop to the negotiations for the basic agreement next
1: year. Barry, when you talk about this new template, uh, what, the, you know, uh, actually I do agree that they had all these ideas for rules changes in baseball, the runner at second um, in extra innings, the three batter minimum, the designated hitter um, in the national league. Um, and if there was going to be a guinea pig year, this is probably the best time to do it. From, what, from the discussions you've had with people in baseball, are, are those going to stick? Are a couple going to stick? Is there enthusiasm for uh, maybe one of them, but maybe not two? Or do, How do you see that going? Well, I see that, the, that you're never going to see the universal
2: DH is in. You're never going to see pitchers hitting the National League again now that's done and it yeah, should have been done i for, agree should have been done for a long time you know as we know there's still only one league in the world that uses it and that's the central league in japan that'll probably go by the wayside there too so that the, the dh train was never going back into the station and i've been arguing about this for years so i think that that's a done deal I think everybody likes the, uh, you know, the, some of the rule changes that have implemented this year. Uh, I think the, uh, you know, the three batter rule for the pitchers, uh, that, that's that been a trial and error. Whether that gets carried over next year, I think is remains to be seen. Because again, you're going to have to rebuild teams and do things with teams that you basically didn't do before. You know, it, it's going to change the way you hold, build a roster between the DH and between the the, the 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 pitching rule, it's going to change how you build a roster from here on in too. So I, I think that 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 may be. I think the runner on second base, uh, you know, with the um, extra innings. I mean, that's proven to be fun. You know, it's a little different than the international rule where you know in the WBC a couple of years ago, and uh, you know they implemented it in the 12th inning of a game against Puerto Rico and Netherlands in the semifinals. It started with a runner on first and second. Both teams bunted the two runners over, then walked intentionally walked the next batter to load the bases. Uh, the Netherlands, uh, Puerto Rico got out of the inning with the, with, with the Netherlands and then scored the winning run in the bottom of the inning. And it was atrocious. You know, you don't want to like, settle a championship game like that but during the regular season and you know again they're not going to be playing with the runner on second base in the playoffs this year it was just a regular season role
0: okay yeah that 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 was a that's a good 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 point i mean we wouldn't want any playoff postseason game determined this way
2: right No. yeah regular season for the expediency of the regular season i mean i'm for I've been at too many games that have gone into the 14th inning. And I joke that if you go to the 14th inning, I want the 14th inning to start with the runner midway between home and third base. (laughs) (laughs) In a rundown. Yeah, yeah, let's get this over already. And so (laughs) I think that rule is going to stick. I mean, you saw the numbers in the minor leagues. Basically, 90% of all games are done by the 11th inning with the runner starting on second base. But it still gives you the anomaly of like, scoring – not scoring a run through the 13th or 14th inning, which has happened a couple of times already. So you need to know what's going to happen. And like you, I think we talked about, the fact is that nobody knows how to bunt anymore. They don't bunt. They don't bunt. They don't use it in the American League because of the DH. Now with pitchers not hitting in the National League, they're not going to use it there either. And, you know, basically it's sort of like – I was watching a Diamondback game last night where they said – I'd rather take the shot at it with, there was a runner on second with nobody out in an, in a regular inning. And the, and, the, and the commentators were talking about, I'd rather take my chances with three outs than give up an out to move the runner to third base. That's where we are in Major League Baseball now. And that's where, and it's not gonna change anytime soon. And then the final one, the doubleheaders, seven inning doubleheaders. I mean, they should have done that a long time ago. I mean, nobody wants to sit through Two nine inning games that are four hours at this yeah. point more. And that just shortens the games, yeah. shortens the ability for people to get hurt. I think that's that that's that's here for good too. That's interesting though to me, though, Barry,
0: on this scenario is that the Cardinals are going to be playing a bunch of seven-inning doubleheaders here. I think the Marlins are gonna to have to as well. And those teams are actually in the playoff conversation, and they get to earn victories by playing seven innings instead of nine. Now there are some teams that have bad bullpens that could could have won games, particularly the Giants that have won could have won three three games in the last four days if the games were seven innings long. <laughs> I mean we'd we'd have three victories there. So, uh, but we had to play nine innings and lost them. So that being said, I mean the Cardinals and Marlins are going to get chances to earn victories for that are only seven innings long, which I find interesting because. The, the playoffs are going to be determined by winning percentage, and these teams get to earn wins that other teams had to play um, in, in normal-length games. But um, that being said
2: – no, no, There's no argument about this. This is a focaccia season, as we might say. In it, it,
0: it just goes right <laughs> along with, with how ridiculous with, everything it, is.
2: 2020 it? this year, and you're just trying to get through and do the yeah. best you can, And it's going to be like the 81 season when, yeah, the split – seasons because of the strike and the Reds actually had the best record in the National League and didn't make the playoffs because they didn't finish in first place in either half. Oh, so, yeah. I, so you're gonna have this. that's what you're gonna have. Yeah. Yeah. So, exactly. so one one or two
0: teams in major league baseball this year are gonna go berserk that they didn't get into the postseason based on some ridiculous percentage or a one one loss here or whatever. And that it's gonna happen this year. But we're running short on time. Barry, give us a rundown real quick uh, you're now writing for Sportico, sportico.com. What, uh, what is that platform uh, coming out? They've, it's been recent. Uh, what, is their, what is their model of uh, sports writing?
2: Well, you know, but, but just to finish off what you were saying before, as far as those other teams go, my, I, short statement, just get a life. That's all. I don't want to hear it. <laughs> as, far, as far as Sportico is concerned, uh, it's a new sports business platform that was started on the umbrella under the umbrella of the Penske Media Corporation. That okay. this is their first foray into sports writing of any kind. I mean, they've got great titles like Variety, Rolling Stone. You can go down the go down the list. A lot of legendary, you know, magazines and platforms. So, you know, basically, what we're doing is, you know, we're kind of taking the Forbes and the sports business platform uh, a, a little bit further than they do. Right now, we don't have a paywall. I mean, eventually there will be one for exclusive content, but I think the idea is to keep most of the daily content available to the public, which gives us a leg up in, in the fact that when people know that when break, we, we, they give us a story to break a story, then we're gonna have that information out there for everybody to see. You're not going to have to be behind a paywall like the Under sports a paywall, yeah. is to do to do to, to see it. So you know, we put together an excellent staff. We've got 13 writers, 12, two editors at this point. Uh, they came from all over all over the country. We rated Sports Illustrated like crazy for for some of their best editors and and writers, uh, and uh, you know, my, my friend, Scott Soschnick, who I worked with 20 years ago at Bloomberg, he brought me in to help him get this thing off the ground. It's a great thing for me because it'll cap off my career, probably will be the last thing that I do. And plus it just gives me an outlet to not just write sports business pieces, but you know, just different angle type pieces that, yeah, which I like to do anyway. Which will be out there for people to read, you know, kind of more like the columns I was writing recently for Forbes, and really a lot of the time in in the latter years at MLB. So it's a great, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's a great platform for always me. Always followed
0: your work uh, since we've known each other, and it's always been great. Barry's on the on the front edge of, of everything, Baca, and he, he's he's yeah. on top of it. He's, he's amazing, it's, amazing. And uh, so we, we, you can follow Barry Bloom on, uh, at Sportico on his, on the website and his stories, and also on Twitter and his social media handles at Boomski, B-O-O-M-S-K-I-E. But uh, Barry, it's been a pleasure to have you with us here today. Thanks so much for all your insight and your information. We really enjoyed talking with you today.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. It's a lot of fun.
1: Hey, appreciate Barry, it. it's we'll been great. It's been great, Barry. I've, I've been a, a fan for a long time, so when Finute said we were going to have you on, I was like, oh, I'm a little fanboy, but I'm I'm fired up. So thanks for joining us. Go Dodgers. Go Dodgers. Uh, there you
2: go. You're killing me, Barry. You're killing me. Well, at least uh, they're in a position to do something. <laughs> and yeah, you well. You can't complain. Yeah, Jack- I, I can't. Yeah. Be, I have realistic
0: expectations of the Giants we we knew they weren't going anywhere this
2: year anyway and and they've uh, also won in this millennium the Dodgers haven't won since 1988
0: that's right I have the upper hand on these on Baca anyway Barry I've got three in the last 25 years and he has none so
2: yeah it's just like the Red Sox fans they can complain all they want right now but they've got their four over the Yankees one right now even though the Yankees have the 27 to 7 yeah yeah or or whatever it is yeah.
0: Well, well, like, maybe we his squad uh, will get one this uh, get, uh, year, Barry. I mean, they they they're looking good right now, and they might uh, go Yankees, pretty deep in the postseason.
2: Yankees, Dodgers in the World Series. That's
0: uh, a that's a that would be great. prediction. Thanks a lot, That'd Barry. We appreciate you ha- uh, coming on.
2: All right, see ya. Thank you. Take care. Thanks,
0: Barry. Bye bye. Mike and I will uh, try to stay on here in the last couple minutes here in chat. Mike oh, yeah. uh going into I, that I wanna, right now we we we're, we're running out short on time Baka. real quick
1: um, give me your take oh, I, I'm on not what, gonna
0: be, I'm not going to I'm the
1: Dodgers I got a oh I got t- I want to talk about your team Oh okay
0: well hey my team I don't even know I, I don't I don't need, I don't have the time I, oh, to go oh, over let me my talk thoughts on them cuz we're 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 down to less than 3 minutes here on this recording so uh, Okay we will uh,
1: I can be quick i 'll be quick about it okay go you, ahead the Giants, the Giants uh, are are getting what they deserve with Gabe Kapler. he basically is making the decision he 's the reason he 's showing why the Dodgers didn 't choose him and chose Agreed. Dave Roberts instead now i 'm not necessarily convinced that was much of an upgrade, but how in the world do you not pull Trevor Gott over the weekend when he 's imploding? at Oracle and then he sends him out there again. I mean, give Last the kid night. a rest. Last night.
0: And lost. I mean, it again. It's, un-
1: it's unbelievable what the Giants are doing with their bullpen right now. And there's gotta be some other option. I know you're going with all these young kids, but I mean the I Giants fans who are absolutely they're irate oh with uh Kappler. and I think they have it's, every uh, right, right
0: to it. I agree. He he had a reputation as a bad bullpen manager guy in Philly. Uh, that's the reputation coming into San Francisco, and now it's just showing, and it showed in the last three victories now that all being said, Baca, these last three losses the two to the A's and last night again imploding in the ninth um okay, those are three losses. if we win those games, we have eleven wins now. I'm a realistic Giants fan. We were not going to the postseason anyway, so okay, this is all just learning and an experimentation season for the Giants as it is it just it just sucks. It, it, it kind of chaps you a little bit when you had those three wins in hand, especially the two against the A's. I mean, a one, one, one run lead last night. Okay. Guy hits a two run homer, you lose, but the other two against the A's are unexcusable and it's just ridiculous. And so, you know, the reality is as a Giants fan, it's frustrating, but Hey, they're learning a lot about who they have this year, who can do what, and at the end of the day, we weren't going to the playoffs anyway. So that being said, Baca, we're down. We're, we're out of time. Um, I know the Dodgers, you're still a little uh, hesitant on, on, on what they've been
1: doing, but they've been playing well and your, your squad is, is, is right there. Real quick, Muncie, Bellinger, both hitting uh, on the interstate and the Dodgers have won six in a row and are 17 and seven with one of the best records in the league. Their pitching has been fantastic. Um, the only thing holding them back is Dave Roberts and some of, his, some of his decision-making. I am still not convinced in a tight situation in October that he is the guy to make those those decisions. Um, he is continually shown he has struggled with it. The other night, Edwin Rios clearly pulls his hamstring